Hello everyone and welcome to the Wellness Lab podcast. My name is Michaela and I'm your host for this episode. Um, our podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people and we wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners. We also acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which our listeners tune in from and we would like to pay our respects to the elders past and present and emerging. Our topic of conversation today is stress and anxiety in students. So now the pandemic has been an ordeal for everyone. It's put immense pressure on students because of the restrictions which Victoria are facing, which means we have to study from home. So on topic of stress and anxiety already experienced, there's also an additional stress from the distance that we're experiencing from our university friends and missing out on the full university experience. So joining on Joining us on this topic today is Anne Stringer. Hi, Anne. How are you today? Hi, good. Thanks, Michaela. That's good. So Victorians are currently in their sixth lockdown due to the pandemic. Um, how have you been in this most recent lockdown? Look, I think compared to a lot of other people, I'm in pretty good shape. Um, I have really meaningful and good work. I can go into my workplace or I can work from home, whatever suits me and suits the situation. Um, I don't have young children at home um, to stress me and I'm not right at that brink of life like university students who are really wanting to connect and reach out and be with their peers and have fun and looking forward. Um, so I think it's it's a really different experience for each and every person. Um, but generally, me and my husband, we're, we're just fine here at home. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Yeah, I definitely noticed as a university student, it can be a bit hard to stay motivated and you definitely feel like a disconnect from all your friends, not being able to see them, especially when you're used to going out almost every weekend, meeting new people. Yeah. Um, so, Anne, can you tell us a bit about your role and how it relates to students? Sure. So um, I'm a trained psychologist and have been working with children and young people for the last 30 years. But my current role is head of well-being at Peninsula Grammar, which is a prep to 12 um, grammar school in Mount Eliza. So my role is really to head the counselling team and the health team, but also to develop and review all the wellbeing programs across all of the school um, to make sure that we have really effective and innovative um, programs. And I guess looking forward into 2022, we need to make sure that we reskill and upskill children and young people who have been away from some of the um, robust nature, the social interactions, um, regulation, concentration, and re-motivate them, re-engage them, and make sure that they are well going forward. So it's a big job um, with challenges, but um, you know it's a meaningful job, and um, and I'm I'm really enjoying it at the moment. So would you say that um, the reskilling and upskilling that you're doing at the moment is in relation to the lockdown and the pandemic? Absolutely. And look, some of it we can do here, but most of it will be done once the students come back face to face. Because if you would imagine that, you know, a, a lot of young children, particularly, who don't have a lot of school experience, if their primary school experience is just being at home with their mum and dad, they're not going to be used to concentrating for long periods of time. They're not going to be able be used to like playing well with others. So we've got to 
upskill those young children. But if we go to the other end, the more senior students, I guess for them, there's been um, quite a bit of mental health deterioration. Research shows and certainly the hospitals and mental health services are saying that anecdotally. Um, but I also think that during lockdown and, and particularly these long lockdowns, um, our physiology has changed, like our minds have slowed, our bodies have slowed. So our whole pace of thinking and learning has changed. And we need to reskill and rebuild young people's capacity to get back out there, to become physically well, to become mentally well, to become socially well, and to get back into that pace, that very fast pace that is senior school. And I would imagine university because, you know, you're taking on a lot of different subjects, a lot of different projects, a lot of different individual and group work. And we need to get students back into being able to be energized to do all of those things as well as the social interactions. Yeah, so you you do have a range of experience working with students from quite young to quite old. Um, would you say that the experiences of their stress and anxiety is similar for all students or have you noticed that there's been a difference in the age groups? Look, I think there's some commonality. I mean, I, I would say a few things about that. I would say we are all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. And some of that is about our age and stage. Some of that is about the families and the um, environments in which we are um, in lockdown with. So some of it might be about because you're five versus you're 15, but some of it might be about you're in really close quarters with a lot of siblings, so don't have a lot of space to, um, to learn and to have your own personal space versus people that have quite a bit of space, have safe homes, and it also depends on I guess their family situation. So for some young people, their parents have lost jobs, have lost work, or um, are not managing well themselves. So that's having an impact on them. Um, for the young children, that's having an impact because they're picking up that stress but not understanding it. Whereas for um, young people, and I would imagine university students that are still at home, they'd be understanding it and maybe trying to be protective or trying to support their parents as well as themselves get through this time. So they they may have a dual role. Um, but overall, I think young children, they miss their friends, they miss their grandparents, but they tend to be with their cameras online. They're very connected to their primary school teacher. Um, their expectations of socialization is much less. Whereas if you get up to the year 11 and 12 students and then even more so to university students, you're launching your young adult life. You're wanting freedom. You're wanting to be out and about. And your peer group are tend to be at that time more influential than your parents. So I think the lockdown is impacting people's um, young people's mental health more because um, I would use words like I feel trapped, I feel a bit of hopelessness about what's next, but I also think there's just disappointment. You know, all of these things that they're missing out on. I know that, um, you know, for my daughter, there was a whole year of 21sts and just disappointment after disappointment because what we know is that young people build up and they know what university should look like. They know what 
post-school should look like because they hear from their older siblings or they hear from school or they hear from other friends that have gone through it. And so they were looking forward to catching up with friends for a coffee before you go to class, you know, getting on the train and chatting with each other or going out after class on a Friday night. They can't do any of those things. So all school or all university is for them is the academic learning, whereas university generally is an experience. You know, it's an experience on all different levels, you know, and so they're only getting the one experience. And I think that that brings real disappointment and frustration and for many disengagement because they just think, you know what, what's the point? What, particularly if they're more practical learners or their motivation is based on going and seeing their friends. And that's the same for year 11 and 12 students as well. Yeah, students, um, they definitely don't have that incentive to get up and get ready for uni by going in and seeing their friends, going to, you know, walk around the uni, seeing what, what's there, meeting new people. So it can be hard, like definitely being aware that you're missing out on that university experience. Yeah. I, I think that, um, I think that it can be quite upsetting where you do have that expectation in your head. You're, you think this is how university is going to be. You set it out, you've, you've planned it and then that's not what happens and it has been two years that we've missed out a long time and so for some people that's their only experience of university and I know given that we are in a time in which people are actually experiencing illness and death I don't say this lightly but it is a form of grief because when you expect your experience to look a certain way and it looks entirely different. There is a level of grief about what you wanted it to be or what you expected or what you'd hoped it to be. Um, I think the other difficulty for, for university students compared to secondary school students is that if our students don't show up, we ring them. We ring them, we ring their parents, we email them, we pull them back in. Whereas university students, if you don't show up to an online lecture, nobody's going to follow you up. So you really have to have that maturity and that self-motivation, which, you know, being older, some of you will, um, paying school fees, you know, university fees, you might, but it gets harder to do. You know, if you're really not engaged in the online learning, nobody's tracking you. Nobody's checking and saying, hey, Michaela, you didn't go to your classes this week. You just don't get the results or you miss out on the classes. So I think it is harder for university students to kind of dig deep and have that internal um, accountability and internal responsibility to stay engaged and to complete the work and to be online and do the learning. And is there anything that you would suggest for uni university students to do to make sure that they're on top of their learning and, you know, make sure that they also have time to relax and de-stress? Yeah. Look, I think um, a jump from secondary to university is always a little bit difficult because at secondary you have such a routine and a schedule, you know, and it's and it's the same week to week, whereas university can be more fluid. But I still do think that one thing that you can do is to plan ahead your week and develop a routine and stick to it. So getting up in the morning, you know, getting up even if you don't have a class, getting up um, and and having that routine of having breakfast, 
seeing the morning, not sleeping really late, not staying up really late. So get into that um, really healthy routine of um, getting up at a reasonable hour and going to bed at a reasonable hour. I also think that um, doing some form of exercise, some form of physical activity every day, fitting that into your, and so it's a part of your routine. We know there's a really strong link between mental health and physical health. And given that we are not having a lot of incidental movement, like walking between classes or walking to the train station to take the train and then walking to university, we're not having any of that. So we need to be more determined to put in place physical activity so that we're not sitting all day um, doing very little or moving very little. Um, I guess the other thing is um, really trying to stay connected with um, people. Sometimes when your mental health dips a bit and you're feeling a bit low, that's the time that you disengage with people. And it's really even if you just engage with one person a day, you know, just having a conversation with one person today, checking in with each other, maybe having um, a walking buddy or checking in buddy. So they will know that if you don't ring them for a few days, they ring you, you know, so kind of setting those things up. And, um, and I know that again, having young adult children, um, you know, my daughter was really good at that when it was locked down last year. She was really good at her friends would check in with her. She would check in with them. Little packages arrived at the door, you know, just little sweet and unique ways to sort of say we're still here. You know, we're still we're still together. So I think young people are really good at that. They're really good at finding creative ways of staying connected. Social media is a totally normal thing for them. They didn't have to learn it. So that's a bonus. But making sure that you just keep that going. Um, And the last thing is short-term goals. So a little carrot, you know, like this week I really want to achieve this or by the end of the month I really want to get this done. And whether they're physical goals, whether they're academic goals um, or whether they're social goals, it doesn't matter. But just having those goals and I would really recommend writing them down because once you write them down, psychologically, you're more committed to them. So just setting some goals so that you feel like it's not just this blur of time that's just endless, you know. Um, short, sharp goals are really important. That's um, They're all very good tips, especially um, setting goals. I know for myself, I try and set like a weekly plan and tick off my goals. However, I have found that even if I've written out those goals, I don't always tick them off Um, and like personally I've found it hard to stay motivated and keep on top of ticking off those goals. Do you have any tips for making sure that those goals are ticked off? Well, I think we also have to be kind to each other and to ourselves. So you may not reach all the goals. That's okay. Set them for the following week. I think we need to be realistic Um, I think we do need to dig deep and keep going, but also we need to be um, kind that we are not going to be as aspirational or we're not going to be as um, productive as we usually are because so much of our energy is spent on just keeping ourselves well in ourselves and some of the stress that just comes from not having the world that you're used to and also not having the... Um, networks and the strategies that we usually use to de-stress. So I talk to the young people a lot about how their cups are full. And when your cup is really full and more more milk goes in, it spills. 
Now, everything that we usually do to, to, um, to kind of empty our cup, like being on a sporting team or going out to breakfast with friends or going to the movies or going to the shops, we don't have that. So we've got to find other things, and they may not be as good as the ones that we usually have. So that's where we need to be really kind and forgiving of ourselves because our cups are all pretty full. So I would say don't beat yourself up. If you haven't met all your goals, just set them for the next week. That's fine. Do them next week, you know, um, rather than having this guilt and shame. Guilt and shame is not going to be helpful at this point in time. I think that's a very good perspective for students to have on on their goal setting and completing assignments for uni. I don't think their lecturers would be very happy with me. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're, they're probably feeling the same too. Yeah, I'm sure that um, I'm sure that they would be understanding if not everything's complete each week. I think a lot of lecturers have been um quite lenient with. The tasks that they set, they've been pretty mindful of what we have to get done. But, you know, they're also trying to tell us that there are deadlines. We do mm. have to meet them. Mm. Um, and yeah, that I mean, that's when we stay up till 12 at night to complete them. But, yeah. Um, but that's real uni life, Michaela. Yeah, I, I stayed up till two o'clock in the morning sometimes too, even during non-COVID. That's about the natural, the nature of procrastination for young people to get things done. So some of it's situation normal. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, so back on to um, students and well, people in general keeping in touch with their friends. Is there anything, any signs that you could probably suggest? Um, that people could show when they're really needing someone to get in touch with them? Like what what signs do people show when they are experiencing stress and anxiety? Yeah. Well, I think um, uh, not being able to sleep at all or sleeping too much is a real signal. Um, being um, just tired even if you've had a good night's sleep so that sort of emotional fatigue so if friends start to talk to you and say oh I just can't wake up in the morning I'm so tired or saying oh, I didn't sleep at all last night so commenting on that um, another real signal is disconnect so if you haven't heard from a friend for a while and they usually give you a call call them be proactive and keep calling them until they answer you know or text them and say hey I really want to catch up let's have a bit of a chat um, and I think the other the other sign, and this is something that's of great concern at the moment, particularly with the um, mental health facilities, is this disordered eating. So young people have reported um, that they are no longer just comparing themselves to others, which young people your age do all the time, and social media doesn't help that. But now they're comparing themselves to their old self. I used to be so motivated. I used to be so social. I used to be so good at school and now I'm not. Or I used to be really fit and now I'm not. So, again, that sort of shaming themselves about their new self. And I think a lot of the media and, let's be honest, women have gotten into this whole thing like my post-COVID body, you know, so really shaming themselves about, oh, I've got to lose some weight now, my post-COVID body. And what's happened is that there has been – um, a 40% increase, the Austin has said, um, of 
young people reporting disordered eating. Now, not all of them will be diagnosed with an eating disorder, but having negative thoughts or difficult thoughts or disordered thoughts about eating. So overeating or undereating or not wanting to eat or watching what they eat all the time or body shaming that's leading to other disordered eating. So I think that's another thing that we really have to watch and routine and just having um, regular meals is really important because, you know, I, I know myself, there's, if we're working from home, you just always go and get another snack, you know, things like that, which is fun on the one hand, but then um, you start to feel, oh, I've been eating all day. I haven't even thought about it. So it's really a matter of being mindful of not shaming yourself, not comparing yourself to your old self, not knowing what who you would become in two years anyway, even if there wasn't COVID, and being very mindful of the social media that you get involved in if there are people being really negative or people comparing themselves to others in that kind of real body image way. Yeah, those are some really good points. I I think um, a lot of people listening may even identify themselves with some stuff you've said and not even notice that they were doing that. Are there any tips that you can give on you know, being being self-aware, being aware of the little habits that you're doing and if that is maybe signs of having mental, mental health issues. Mm. Mm. Look, it, it's hard to identify it in the beginning, I think, because you're just doing your best, you're just getting on with it. But if you do notice that there are quite, um, quite an increase in negative thinking, so putting yourself down, um, despairing thoughts, thinking about um, what's the point in the future, kind of hopelessness kind of thinking, or you feel that, you know, we're all going through ups and downs and we're all going to have flat days. We're all going to have days that we just don't feel motivated. But if they go on and on and those flat days are turning into weeks, then that's when I think that help-seeking, so whether help-seeking um, for you is about talking to a friend, whether it's about talking to a family member or whether it's getting professional help. Um, you know, I think talking to a friend for a start and then um, possibly talking to um, a, a, a parent that you trust or an older sibling and deciding together whether you're at that next step um, to go and see somebody. And another really good first step is to go and talk to your GP. I think all young people should be forming relationships with a GP that they trust um, and, um, and you know, getting some advice from them about doing a mental health plan and what that might look like and what that might mean for them. Yeah, that that is a very good tip. Um, I guess it can be hard to identify in yourself where things are going wrong and you can get quite used to the negative thinking and not realise that I, I shouldn't be having these thoughts. I, I should be a bit more positive and, you know, all, you don't really have, like, that drive, those happy thoughts anymore. So I think that would be a really good tip mm. for someone and who doesn't know if they're experiencing mental health issues. Yeah, 
And it's choosing your company too. Like if you're around people that are talking negatively all the time about the situation, you need to mix that up with people who are also looking forward and and finding some good in this and and being able to see that, you know, you know, I, I talk to young people about the fact that they are probably learning that they are so much stronger than they ever thought they were. They they were. Um, their perseverance, their pre- preparedness to push along on things. And I was joking with um, some of the students that I was talking with the other day, saying, you know, in three or four years when we're out of this, and somebody goes, oh, this is so hard, you'll go, what? You think that's hard? You know. And so. All of your perception of what's hard and what's difficult is going to be so different in the future. And I think that's going to – it's kind of exciting in some ways because I think your generation is going to experience the world differently because of the skills and the abilities and the strengths and the real internal strengths that you've had to dig deep and develop that – my generation didn't. You know, we were pretty cruisy and we didn't have a lot of those challenges society-wise. I'm not saying that there aren't people that didn't have challenges within their lives. But, you know, the kind of privileged, white, Western, you know, middle-class families, we were protected from ongoing and relentless disappointment, ever-changing, unpredictable nature of the future, the fear that you could get sick. And I think for young people, that fear this year in Australia is probably more real than it was last year, you know. So living with that um, and and the the grief about not being able to live your life and, and be able to make decisions for yourself that you're used to or you were hoping to as you launch out into young adulthood. So I think that, um, you know, it's not – it it doesn't feel good, but it's not all bad. And I think I'm hoping that we as a society harness what we've learned and harness what young people have learned about themselves and transfer that into how are they going to utilize those things in the future? Because you're going to have a lot of challenges ahead of you as well. The environment, um, the economy, all those things leading down the track, you're going to have to dig deep in lots of situations in your lives. And, you know, you guys are learning those skills now. Um, so I think t- trying to have a bit of a mindset about that as well and looking at what are the things that you're doing well, what are the things that you are achieving, and what are the things that you are managing that two years ago you thought, oh, I could never do that. And guess what? We are. You know, we all are, um, which is amazing, really. Yeah, that's – um, it's a good point to – look back on yourself in a positive way and say, this is how far I've come. These are the challenges that I am facing and I'm capable of dealing with now rather than looking back and going, oh, pre-COVID, this is how I was and this is how Mm. I am now. That's Mm. not the healthy way of looking back on yourself. Yeah, we we need to keep moving forward. The other thing, you know, the, the, the generosity, I think, is the other thing to tap into. I mean, look at you guys, you know, you are putting out podcasts to try to increase the mental well-being of young people that you want to help, you know, and you're doing it in a really creative way, a way that was going to reach a broad cast because everybody has Spotify that's your age, unlike me. So, you know, I think it's also the generosity of spirit and being able to the acts of kindness um, you know, and trying to be community-minded. I think those are really positive things as well. And people are trying to find ways of reaching out. You know, like I, I talked to a little grade three boy the other day, 
and he's not allowed to go into the nursing home. So his dad goes in, but he just waves from the window, you know. So, but how cute he still goes with his dad so he can just wave in the window, you know. So these little acts of kindness are coming out all the time. And what what makes me most frustrated, I think, is that the media don't pick up on that. They just pick up on the drama and the negativity and the conflict and the disagreement and the disarray. They don't pick up on the community spirit and what people are doing for each other and for neighbors and checking in on neighbors, all those little teddy bears all around um, the, the um the neighborhoods, when you see them walking, little boxes of books that people can pick up, you know, if they need a book. Um, some neighborhoods have food boxes, you know, if people need extra food. So there's a lot of amazing things happening in our state, in our city, and it doesn't get picked up on. And I feel that that's, that's a real um, plight on the news. I think they should have a responsibility to putting out good news stories as well as bad news stories because I've just stopped watching the news. It's just yeah. so negative and depressing and um, they just drive in who's arguing and conflictual with each other and I feel really um, frustrated that they don't put out some really positive, amazing stories and and um, elevate the people that are doing those things, you know, Elevate them. Ignore the people that are doing really stupid things and elevate the people that are doing really amazing things. And I think that would shift our whole community's well-being. So be a reporter, you guys. <laughs> Change your things and be a reporter and do it differently. It drives me crazy. Yeah, that is a really good point. I have noticed like when I've gone out on a walk, the, the kids have left like their little bears outside to have the bear hunt and they've left like the books. You could do a book exchange. Those things are really important in community well-being. Yeah. And I think as a student, we do often disconnect from our community. We, we, don't, we don't go out and connect with people who are older and younger than us. We are, I noticed myself, like, I've been more, I've more focused on my friends and my community, and I've tried to shift to more community-focused yeah, but your community is also your peers. You know, that's community as well. Um, so, there, and, and at different times in our lives, we tap into different communities, you know. So I think, again, um, we can only do what we can do. Um, and I think it is really important to try to reach out to people, whether they be your peers or whether they be, you know, people that live close to you. Um, you know, we check in with the neighbour across the road because we know she's on her own. Um but we have time to do that as well. Um, and I think um, the other thing is that, um, you know, you, you, you have to have opportunities and, and knowledge about um, being a part of that community as well. So I think it operates differently in different areas. Yeah. So um, back onto the topic of students. Um, you mentioned students when they're at home doing their studies, they go off and um, have their snacks throughout the day. Um, there is a term mindful mindful eating. Do you mm. have any? Do you know anything about that? Is there anything? Do you think that could be helpful for students? 
Well, I think the whole concept of mindfulness, I mean, it's interesting because we're all having a crash course in mindfulness at the moment because we have to live in the present because the future is uncertain, even week to week, and it changes all of the time. We can't plan like we usually can. We can't look forward to what we're doing the next week because we don't know. So we're all stuck in the present, and we can either be frustrated in that or we can embrace it and be really mindful of our bodies, of our um, how we're breathing, how we're relaxing, how we're communicating with others, and additionally to the eating. And again, I, I don't like to be, um, you know, to jump in and say, you know, you need to be mindful of not doing this and not doing that. Everybody is unique and individual, but it is being mindful about whether the eating that you're doing is is giving you nutrition to keep you um I guess, able to concentrate and able to keep functioning and able to keep learning in the best capacity at home or is it not? So, um, but we all need comfort food at some time. So I think that that doesn't need to be totally disregarded. Um, but yeah, I think that it, um, the more mindful that we can be and conscious we can be of what we're doing and why we're doing it, I think the better. Do you, do you have any tips for students maybe like short exercises on how they can be more mindful? Look, there's so many apps um, around that. There's meditation apps. There's mindfulness apps. Um, you'd be much better at finding them than me, Michaela, <laughs> trust me. Um, and, and I think it is worth looking that up. I mean, I know that I have um, – we got a spin bike and I have the Peloton app, which is a bunch of exercises. And in there, there's yoga, but there's also um, meditation. And some are just 10 minutes. And I'm not very good at sitting still for 10 minutes. And, you know, but I've, I've become more determined that, you know, at some point every couple of days I will spend those 10 minutes just listening to that tape and forcing myself to get into that space of breathing and relaxing and not worrying and not thinking what's not happening and, you know, what are my kids doing and all that kind of stuff. Just really for and, – and you start to get used to it the more you do it. So, again, that's about routine. It's about starting something and keeping doing it um, again and again, and you get more used to it and you get better at it. Um, and I think you can see the benefits over time. So I would just um, say for you to try and find an app that has Smiling Mind, I think is um, probably one for younger kids, although there's probably a range of it for adolescents. Um, but there probably are um, uh, other apps that, um, you know, have mindfulness or have um, – meditation kind of short meditations you know start small don't do a 45 minute meditation you know start with a 10 minute one you know and you can build up if, if it's something that's really good for you yeah that's um that's a really good tip especially for myself I've noticed I don't I don't want to stop I don't want to take that time to to meditate so I think having to force yourself to stop take up take that pause in your day and reflect on what you're doing in the moment mm. rather than letting your mind race which does cause you to stress and then experience anxiety and I think if you do that, it does allow you to sleep better too because if you can clear your mind to a degree, I think that probably helps you to sleep better and helps you to be able to fall asleep more easily. 
Yeah, well, I <laughs> I definitely have to try that because I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I'm not able to sleep very well at the moment in this lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, well, doing some meditation or some mindfulness um, apps just before sleep, I, I would I would really recommend it. Just try it. doesn't work for everyone. Nothing is, you know, all round, but you got to try it for more than a week. You know, you got to try it for a little while and see if it actually will work. It may not work the first time, but it might work the fifth time. Yeah, that's a really good point, um, especially like sticking to – the tasks that you're doing rather than trying it once and saying, well, this hasn't worked and moving on. Yeah, it's like anything new. It takes practice. Yeah, definitely. So just to recap on what we've spoken about today, um, so you've suggested that students potentially take 10 minutes in their day to meditate and be mindful and reflect on um, where they're at to be able to de-stress. You've suggested that students can reach out to their friends and try and take notice of if there's any different signs in their behaviour to see if they are experiencing any mental health issues. Um, you've suggested that students can try and connect with their community, whether it's a community of peers or their local community. Um, and I believe was there any other tips that you could Well, I think today? exercise is really important to do yeah. some form of exercise every day and to keep to a routine, to sort of plan your week and have a routine and having those short-term goals written down. I think those are really important as well. Yeah. yeah, that is a really good point. So thank you, Anne, for joining us today. So your advice and comments about students' mental health and well-being has been very helpful. And I know I'll definitely be using some of those to help me keep on track, but I'll also try to be um, a bit more forgiving of myself and not put that extra pressure that I'm already experiencing with lockdown. Um, and I'd just like to say to the listeners, if you're, um, if this discussion today has raised any issues for you or anyone you care for, please see the list of phone numbers and other resources in the show notes of this podcast. So thank you everyone for listening and please tune in next week for another podcast episode.